This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 470, A Conversation with Eric Larson. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. This is episode 470. It's our conversation with Eric Larson, or rather our second conversation with Eric Larson, as uh, I did have a chance to speak with him uh, back in 2016, uh, although that, that particular conversation was more centered on uh, his work on Spider-Man. That was episode 438. Uh, it actually came out December 31st. Um, so you can go back and listen to that episode, which was already, what, 32 episodes ago. Holy crap. Um, so I got to chat, chat with him again. Um, this time I was able to get a lot more input from the Marvel Masterworks forum. Sorry, forum, I should say. Um, and I wanted to thank some of the, uh, the following uh, posters there who submitted questions that I don't think I actually got a chance to name check on the episode. Uh, so I want to thank Video Farmer, Faust33, um, let's see, Fancy Fancy, uh... Don't know if I asked that question for Strider Tag. Uh, Madave, Mr. Raffles, um, Dilo Temio. Anyways, I want to thank you, Dilo Tempio, I should say. Uh, I want to thank them for submitting questions for the podcast. It was very helpful, again, to, uh, as much as I do research and try to have a good uh, selection of questions, sometimes it's really helpful to have very specific questions submitted by um, those who are fans of someone's work. Uh, so I appreciate uh, everyone submitting questions. And this was a, a lot of fun to sit down with Eric. He uh, is a great person to talk to. Um, he really tells it like it is, and he has a lot of interesting insights and uh, it was just a blast getting a chance to talk to him again. Uh, if I could go back in time and tell young little Adam Travin that one day you'll get to sit down and talk to Eric Larson, I'd be like, how's that ever going to happen? Um, anyways, this was a lot of fun, and I hope you uh, hope you enjoy this uh, this uh, second chance, the second time I got to sit down with Eric Larson. I never thought I'd get one, let alone two. So without further ado, let's jump right into the episode. Actually, with before that, house, cl- house cleaning as always, or housekeeping. Uh, you can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like the show on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Uh, often on the Marvel Masterworks forum, I will uh, post... Um, uh, call like a, a, I'll put up uh, threads asking for questions for upcoming interview subjects. People who are going to be on the show that I'll be interviewing at some point in the near future. Um, currently, I'm going. I'm looking to uh, speak with Chip Zdarsky at the end of May. Uh, at the very beginning of June, I'm going to be sitting down with Brian Wood. Uh, I'm going to be speaking with. Um, I'm trying to think. May second, I'm going to be uh, sitting down with Chuck Dixon and Graham Nolan for actually a joint interview with the two of them as they're working on an upcoming Bane book. Um, so a lot of good stuff is coming uh, in the summer as we get closer and closer to episode 500. Thanks again for joining me, and let's jump right in, finally, after the last minute of preamble, into our conversation with Eric Larson. Eric, thank you for uh, joining us once again for uh, your second round of Comic Shenanigans. All right. So, uh, Glad to be here. Thank you. So let's let's go way back. Uh, we didn't actually talk about this before, which was, uh, what was your first experience with comics as a kid growing up? when he was a little kid so I grew up uh, in a house that had a bunch of old comic books from the 1940s and 1950s he bought comics from and a lot of faucets he liked the Captain Marvel Adventures and Marvel Family and uh, things like that um, bunch of Barks Duck stuff um, very a little bit of uh, DC no timely um, to speak of, but DC had a bunch of Boy Commandos comics. Hmm. And he, he bought comics um, as he got older, comics kind of matured. 
so he got into all the EC comics when those were an ongoing concern, and when EC stopped publishing, that's when his comic book collection fell off and his Playboy collection kicked in. <laughs> Fair enough. So there we go. So we grew up with with his old comics. Um, at, at one point, DC had started up doing uh, Captain Marvel again, and so he somehow got wind of that and showed up with some new Shazam comics. And I somehow got interested in whatever was going on out there. Um, I, I, I started getting a smattering of comics here and there. Uh, but I didn't really start buying them regularly till like fifth grade, I think fifth or sixth grade. Uh, and at that point I, I dove in pretty severely, mostly getting Marvel stuff. But um, when I discovered uh, Jack Kirby, he was over at DC, and he was working on Commandy and wrapping up Mr. Miracle and the Demon he was working on, too. So there's a little bit of stuff that was going on there. And when he came back to Marvel, that was an exciting time. Were you a big uh, fan of Kirby kind of growing up then, or like just gravitating towards that stuff when you saw it? Yeah, I gravitated towards it when I saw it. Um, there wasn't a lot in my dad's old comics. There were some boy commandos. Most of that uh, seemed to be guys trying to be Jack Kirby, but probably weren't. Um, there wasn't a lot of Jack in there. Um, but yeah, his, his, stuff, his stuff appealed to me quite a bit. And over at Marvel, um, Rich Butler was trying his best to be Jack Kirby on the Fantastic Four. Uh, and I liked uh, Herb Trimpey on the Hulk an awful lot. He was, he was my gateway drug into Marvel Comics. <laughs> now, when, now, you as a kid, I guess you were always drawing? Or like when, where did that come from? Was from the moment you could hold a pencil you're drawing? Or? Yeah, as, well as, as soon as I could hold a pencil and hold it as the funny way that I do um, <laughs> I, I, I just was always drawing when I was a real little kid and I just continued doing that uh, pretty much forever I started drawing comics for my own entertainment in uh, fourth grade so I just made up my own characters and uh, took 11 by 17 11, uh, 8 not by 11 paper folded in half stapled it up the side and called it a comic book and <laughs> I just uh, I just started drawing stories at that at that size and then um, I just kept on going with it and I would do kind of anything I was just like oh, alright I'm, I'm doing my own stuff and uh, in fifth sixth grade I met other kids who were into comics and also were into drawing their own comics none of them ended up uh, pursuing that professionally but uh, you know uh, with I had a one pal named Aaron Katz and he created one of the characters that was in the deadly duo and we would alternate issues he did issue one I would do issue two and, and we would just kind of trade back and forth We'd set each other up with with various cliffhangers that the other guy would have to deal with. So, 
it was, I mean, some of them were really inane, like they would be at a beach and somebody would throw a beach ball at the other guy. It's like, <laughs> you know, and it's like, to be continued, the next, you know, you just catch the ball. <laughs> it wasn't like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, what's going to happen? <laughs> but we, we were, we were, it was, it was kind of a goofy book and we, we were having fun with it. And, uh, and it just, I just kept going with it. When I was 19, me and a couple other buddies uh, self-published a fanzine called Graphic Fantasy. And um, in, in fourth grade, I created the dragon. So that was like the same character that I kept doing forever. He was, he was my, uh, my Batman, my version of Batman. He's just a guy who had a, he had a mask and he had a cape and he had a utility belt. He drove around in a cool car and all that stuff. And at some point, I just got tired of drawing this, this stupid cape and, and all uh, some <laughs> of the nonsense. So I just kind of took him and pulled him apart from his secret identity, and they became like two separate guys. And Dragon just became a green dude with a fin on his head at that point. And then. Uh, I just drew those for a while. When I was 19, I self-published a comic that was sort of the end of my, my last kind of kid dragon story. I kind of followed up on the stories that I had already set up when I was a, a young guy. Uh, and then that was kind of it. Once we published the fanzine, we kind of sent it out to anybody who might possibly review our book. At that point, that was Comics Journal, Comics Buyer's Guide, and a couple others. And um, it got mentioned in a couple of those trade publications. And a couple of guys who uh, were into collecting fan scenes and wanted to start up doing their own comics contacted me after having bought my comic through the mail. And they put me to work at age 19 and that was kind of the start of it that was Gary Carlson on uh, a book called Megaton mm-hmm. and, um, and some other dude who had me do some other book that, that pretty much vanished without a trace Gary I kept in touch with though. not to make you feel old but Megaton it looks like it came out the uh, the month and the year I was born ah boy you're really really young <laughs> How is that even possible you're able to speak? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's a it's a it's a wonder. It really is. Uh, sitting upright and everything, eating solid food, that's cool. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned that you have, you know, a distinctive drawing grip. How would you describe it? Um describe it I, it's kind of like if you grabbed uh, a, a pencil in your fist and then uh, and then just kind of took it took it from there you adjust your fingers somewhat from that point um, but it's it's basically this the same way you would hold it except the pencil is instead of going on one side of your hand it's going on the other side of your hand okay and it's the fine pictures online. Just use, use Google. It's, it's <laughs> weird. 
I've actually since, since learned to hold my pencil properly just enough that I can sign my name. <laughs> and that's mostly so that when I'm in the grocery store, I don't have a story to tell, you know? I'm just, just like, all right, I'll pay with that with credit card. You, want me to, you need me to sign my name? Okay, look, I'm totally normal. <laughs> Um, I, this is a listener question, um, kind of following up on the Jack Kirby question before. Um, who do you think was the the best inker in Jack Kirby's work? Uh, it kind of depends on what you what you want out of it, um, because and, and and sort of the era. Because at one point, Joe Sinnott was kind of heavy handed and changed him a little more than he ought to have, and then later on, Joe Sinnott became like. A really solid, good Kirby anchor, and, and I like his stuff a lot. Uh, but my top three would be Joe Sinnott, Frank Giacoya, and Mike Royer. Hmm. Now, following up on uh, this is it kind of relates to Jack Kirby. This is a question from uh, a, a listener who goes by the uh, the handle Video Farmer, and this is a bit of a long one, so you oh, might have to. Video Farmer. <laughs> <laughs> You may have to strap in for this one. This one's a little long. Uh, he says, uh, Hi, Eric. I enjoyed Fantastic Four, the world's greatest comic magazine, and I hope you can clear up something about its creation. I'm not sure if this is true, but at one point I heard that when you were first plotting the book, you were planning for many of the splash pages to be original, unpublished Kirby drawings, and that you had permission to use them, but then lost that permission because of the legal wrangling going on at the time. I'm not trying to cast shade in any of the parties involved, and I'm sure that 99% of us are happy that a resolution in the matter was reached, and Jack's contributions have been more broadly recognized. However, I am curious whether or not the initial premise of the miniseries included showcasing some lesser-seen Kirby work. Um, yes, but he got it somewhat somewhat scrambled around. Uh, there was no period where the Kirby estate said okay. Okay. They, they were the flying the ointment in this particular case um, because they had had a lot of issues with uh, Marvel at that point uh, they were really hesitant to be on board with it and they were just saying yeah this is going to be another opportunity for Stan to grab all the glory and Jack to be neglected the plus side is I think we did our damnedest to honor uh, Jack in that effort and he got every bit as much uh, credit and thanks as anybody else did on the book so but yeah you can if you're reading along in it in the in the first issue there was a splash of Dr. Doom that would have been the splash that was that he had done as a poster at one point and there's a couple other things that, that we had intended to be used there what kind of led to the creation of that book like how did that even get pitched i mean was it your idea first did they come to you like how where did that book it was, come from? It was pitched it was just pitched as a, as a 12 issue miniseries um it, it i don't remember if it was me and eric stevenson talking about it or if it was me and bruce tim talking about it but um it, it's it's one of those things that nobody wrote down how this stuff all came together <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean a lot of stuff you just you just have these 
conversations and things just kind of go go back and forth and at the end you go I don't remember whose idea that was but that's pretty cool <laughs> you know you don't, you don't think oh I need to make a permanent record of this no definitely like, <laughs> you know it's like all the, the origins of image comics stuff I just take people's word that that's what happened I don't remember particularly how that went on I know that I was there with Rob really early on but I don't actually remember having dinner with uh, Dave Albrecht and, and him talking to us about the idea. So, I, I, you know, it's like, okay, I guess I should have paid more attention and taken copious notes, but I didn't do it. That's okay. Um, which, uh, which FF character was the most fun to draw? Um, I always like drawing the thing. I, I just... He's, he's a fun character to draw um, I wish I had drawn more of it I, I still to this day don't have a handle on drawing the team that well I, I wish I had enough of, of a body of, of stuff to kind of work through the kinks on some of those characters hmm. now conversely which, which of the characters in the main FF was the most fun to actually write also, also the thing, I mean, he's a fun guy. <laughs> well, I guess he, he's kind of the, the uh, I guess him and Torch would be kind of the easiest ones it would seem to kind of sink into, because Reed can be a little bit of a tough one to, to you know, a tough nut to crack, and Sue has her own well, kind all of... all of their voices are really there. You're just so familiar to have, after having read 40 years at that point of, of those characters that you just know them. Hmm. So it, it really wasn't sitting there scratching my head going, oh, what would Reed do? It's like, I know what Reed would do. I know what Reed would say. I know what Sue would do. I know what Sue would say. Um, and you, you update it a little bit because Sue was kind of a wimp in the in the, the those early issues, the FF. Um, but, you know, you, you make, the, make the most of it. You do, do your best work and hope people care. <laughs> if uh, yeah. if if a Marvel editor was to reach out to you and say, you know, do you want to you know relaunch a volume of the Fantastic Four? Would that be something that would ever tempt you, or to kind of play yeah, with someone else's? That would tempt me. There's a few things that would that would tempt me. I'll, I'll I'll be honest. What would be kind of be on that list? And is it would it tempt you more as a writer or as an artist or as both? Not both. I could see being in a situation where I basically played the the. Uh, Jack Kirby role in that and that I would co-plot it with somebody and then let them script the hell out of it after I put liner notes all over it you know just do it do it that way anyone in particular you think that you'd work really well with who could really kind of bring to life a, a Fantastic Four plot that you put together um if if I was to put together my dream list um Carl Kiesel would be high on my list as both scripter and anchor hmm now here's a, a question. Um, this is from again Video Farmer again has a lot of questions. Uh, he wants to, to, ask, answer, to further answer your question that you'd ask about uh, other things that, that would tempt me. Mm-hmm. Um, Captain Marvel, uh, the the faucet Captain Marvel, oh, yeah. to be able to restore that to what it was would be something that'd be like. Ah, I'd kind of like to do that at some point. I'd kind of like to draw a Wonder Woman story at some point. I'd kind of like to. Uh, 
um, do more Superman at some point. I mean, there's there's all the Kirby stuff over at Marvel. I I you know I grew up with it and loved it. Um, but I, I'm not super enthusiastic about the the new costumes and the new designs and the new takes on on those guys. It's like I like you know my Captain America when he didn't have seams all over his costume. <laughs> I thought that was cool. Oh. It was. I mean, it's yeah. It stood the test of time for so long. That's kind of why it's classic, right? Yeah. Well, so I think that that, that at a certain point you gotta let comics be comics and be what they do best. And we can do um, these these super tight superhero costumes that look awesome, and they're just basically the lines on a naked dude who's just kicking the crap out of somebody and they look great movies can't do that they have to compensate for their their shortcomings and do something to give it some kind of visual appeal we don't have to do that in comics we can just make them awesome and yet what we end up doing is is compromising so that they can look like they do when they're they're in the movies but you know, if they're making a cartoon of of these characters, they're going to simplify the costumes more from the comics because that's that's their shortcomings. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that becomes an expensive thing and complicated thing to do. The movies, it, it's the opposite, where they're they're dressing it up and putting extra nonsense on it. A good solid superhero costume should be able to be drawn an inch tall and still be recognizably that same character. Once you start putting seams and weird little uh, buckles and stuff, when they're tiny like that, they don't look that cool. They just look like a snarl of, of detail. Hmm. Um, and, and it's just like, we, we can add cross-hatching and stuff like that that's, that you can't do in a movie anyway. There's, there's things that comics are that are intrinsically different because we've got black lines that are defining the contours of shapes and black lines that are defining, uh, that are rendering how a face is shaped and how light, light is hitting something and, and all these other things that, that come to the table because they're drawings on paper. <laughs> they don't have that. We've got this different thing. Let us play to our strengths and do... Uh, fantastic comic book you know hey real people can't run in heels that well but guess what in a comic book they can because they're superheroes yay <laughs> <laughs> you know no actually that kind of dovetails well there's just two questions that again video farmer again has more questions um one was uh if you could bring back one comic artist who has passed on who would it be um jack Okay, I kind of figured, but just in case. And uh, if if you brought if we brought back Jack, would you want to work with Jack? Sure. Or it wouldn't be too intimidating to work with the King. No, no. <laughs> no, it's not. A, it's I mean, everybody's a human being. You just true deal with human beings as human beings, and you're good to go. Would That's- you? Would, if you if given the opportunity in this this mythical thing that we're building, um, would you want to ink Jack? Um, uh, you know, as, as, as much as I enjoy trying to ink Jack, um, I don't think I'm a great Jack Kirby inker. 
I think it would take me a while to get to the point where I was a great Jack Kirby anchor. I think at best I'm a kind of an adequate Jack Kirby anchor, and I would prefer to find somebody who'd do a great job with it rather than somebody who's going to kind of screw it up a little bit. What modern anchors do you think would really do Jack Kirby justice? Oh, I think a lot of them. I mean, most most anchors now uh, put down a pretty uh, slick and confident and deliberate line. You just have to find somebody who doesn't come in and noodle the crap out of it. But if you got a good guy who's a solid anchor doing faithful work, they're going to do a fine job. Mm-hmm. I put Norm Ratmond or uh, Carl Kiesel or any number of guys, really. Hmm. What uh, What's the best comic that you've read recently? Ooh. You can break it down by genre if you need to. I mean, is it, is it, is it got to be a recent comic? <laughs> uh, I guess... Because um, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all over the place. A lot of the stuff that I'm reading right now is... Um, I've been reading the Walton Skeezik's collections, which is like, that's ancient stuff. <laughs> and uh, reading the Steve Canyon stuff, that's ancient stuff. And then um, just, you know, more recently, things like Southern Bastards and stuff like that that comes out of Image Comics. I get a lot of that. I also buy a lot of comics that I don't really read. Because just like, oh, that's cool looking. I'll buy it and be like, oh, I don't know if I'll get around reading this, but cool looking stuff. <laughs> What genres kind of interest you more now? Like, and do you find your tastes have evolved, or are they are you still liking the same types of stuff? Um, I've, I've always been somewhat all over the map um, in, in terms of stuff. For, for years and years, there wasn't any choice but to read uh, superhero comics. But um, yeah, as long as somebody's doing a good job, I'll read it. Whatever. <laughs> Um, this is a question from Faust33. It's, uh, who is your favorite Spider-Man artist? Uh, Steve Ditko. No one comes close? Um, I, I've liked some other people, uh, at, at various times. Nobody's done a really long run with it. Uh, I think Rick Leonardi captured Spider-Man's kind of quirkiness real well. I think, uh... Michael Golden did a couple of stories with Spider-Man in it that were really neat to look at. Um, Frank Miller had his sweet spot where he did a really nice job with it. Um, but none of those guys really were, were on it for a considerable length of time and really established anything. Mm. Um, outstanding. You know, they did outstanding work, but it was so brief that it was like, Oh, there's 40 pages of this guy or 60 pages of that guy. It's not a huge amount of stuff that you can really sink your teeth into. Hmm. Um, in terms of the other people who've been on the book, most of them have been fine. You know, they, they do a perfectly adequate job. <laughs> myself, myself included. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Um, in and around when you were working on um, FF, the world's greatest comic magazine, you were also working on Defenders. Uh, what was it like working on that with Kurt Busiek? Um, that was a lot of fun. That was that was a tremendous amount of fun. Um, 
yeah, that, that was one where we where we would really just kind of kick the football back and forth. We'd uh, talk through the plot. I think I typed up the plot, and then uh, I don't remember. I think he typed up the plot. I scripted it, and he rescripted it. Hmm. I think that's how that worked. How did that project even come about exactly? I, I know that this is asking again one of those questions, right? You guys didn't well, write it down. It's kind of come about because you're doing stuff, mm-hmm. you know. It, it, it um, like at, at one point they needed somebody to do a fill-in on Spider Woman, the, the book that Bart Sears was doing with John Byrne, and so um, I knew Andy Smith, and Andy Smith knew that I could. Uh, if push comes to shove, uh, turn around a comic book pretty quickly. So they needed a warm body to toss on that fire, and he had suggested me. The editor called me up, and I said, "Sure, I'll I'll do it. A comic that'd be that'd be fun just to, to do it." And then at at that point, it was the word got out. I guess, oh, this guy's still willing to work with us. So <laughs> what do you say, gang? And um. So at that point, uh, the Spider-Man editor called and said, John Byrne's leaving Spider-Man. John Romita Jr. is going to be taking over the book, but we don't want John to start in the hole. So we want to get three issues ahead. Can you do three issues of Spider-Man? And so I said, sure, I'll do that. And then the, then the, um, editor on Thor called and said pretty much the same thing and at that point he's like well I'm already doing Savage Dragon I'm agreed to do Spider-Man but I always wanted to work with Klaus Jansen but I also knew Klaus wasn't on the on Thor at that point so I said tell you what if Klaus will come back and do those three issues I'm your man if he doesn't but forget it and Klaus agreed to do it so I was doing uh, doing uh, three books there for three-month period at that that point it was just sort of word got out hey this guy is willing to do stuff and I think Kurt probably contacted me about the defenders because I think he kind of called and said hey a bunch of people are putting in pitches for the defenders but nobody's doing the 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 defenders team they're just kind of picking random Marvel characters and putting them together you have any interest in doing the the Defenders team? And we kind of talked about who we thought should be in the Defenders, and it's got to be Doctor Strange, Hulk, and and Submariner at the very least. And then you know the the other ones that we chose were we thought uh, sort of integral to to being in that. And then they. They said, I think the Marvel at that point was saying, we want Silver Surfer to have a home. He didn't have a book at that point. So could you put him in as well? And it's like, all right. Hmm. Sounds good. But I think, I thought that that was, that came from Kurt. Because I don't, I don't recall putting together that, um, that proposal. I think he did. Sounds like a very it's it's interesting how busy that period was. As you said, like you're writing like you're obviously you're doing Savage Dragon, then you're also penciling all these different books and then you have uh Defenders come about like that's exceptionally busy for anyone let alone to do it uh, even for a few months. That just seems insane. Yeah, it was madness. I'll, I'll admit. And I ended up 
while I was working on the Defenders and uh, and Fantasy Four World's Greatest Comic Magazine, I got really sick because I had just taken on too much. I was too uh, it's just lack of sleep kind of thing, and I uh, ended up coming down with pneumonia and bronchitis, sort of together. Hey, double bill, I do not recommend. Um, yeah, so I was laid up for a while, and uh, and what can I say? I was in I was in bed, uh, so I was unable to crank both those out. Um, Keith Giffen helped out on the the FF book. He laid out a couple of those issues, and Ron Friends came in and, and pitched in on the Defenders, helping out on that. It's kind of all hands on deck while you're recuperating. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was not a good scene. So that was sort of when that stuff ended. It was like, all right, I gotta just concentrate on the one book for a little while here. Absolutely. Now, if we we rewind just like a year, a couple years earlier, um, how did you approach writing Wolverine? Because your 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 take on it was definitely different. It kind of took him away from everything that maybe people would have thought of with a Wolverine story, and it was just so much fun. It was like this this big romp. How did that kind of? How did you put that together? Um, let's see. At that point, uh, the first outside book that I'd taken on was Aquaman over at DC so sort of sort of, again it was it was like okay this guy's willing to do stuff I think I did a pitch for Nova around then and, and so at that point I had done a pitch for Nova and maybe a pitch for the Hulk I don't remember if I did a pitch for the Hulk or not um, but Really, what happened was the the, the editor of, of Wolverine contacted me and asked if I would be willing to put in a pitch on Wolverine, and I said no. <laughs> <laughs> I said I'm I'm all pitched out. Tell you what, let's 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 have a conversation, and if you like what you hear at the end of it, um, I'm your man. And if you don't, well, we can hang up the phone and, and call it a day. And so I, uh, I talked him through that that uh, Wolverine versus Galactus story, which was which, in all honesty, was part of uh, was going to be a Hulk story. Um, and it was going to be an alien comes to Earth, and you know we know that the Hulk is the strongest one there is, and we're taking him up to space to do something with it. But uh, because because Wolverine always had that, you know, I'm the best there is, what I do, or whatever. It was like, all right, he's always got this line that he's telling everybody. What if somebody believed him? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so I kind of took that idea and grafted it onto Wolverine. And I, I think it kind of worked, worked well enough with Wolverine. The, the thing that, that I always thought with um, Logan's book was that in when he was part of the X-Men he was this guy wearing this cool costume who was fighting supervillains and doing cool stuff and then in his own book he was a guy walking around in a plaid shirt getting into barroom brawls and I was like well can we get that 
cool Wolverine, the one that we like that's in the X-Men, and have him star in a book? Because I think that might be kind of successful. So that was kind of where, where I was at with him. I was like, I don't, I don't want to see, you know, hundreds of people. I don't want to see more Wolverine stories of him sitting around in a bar hanging out and, and busting knuckles with somebody who's playing pool with. I want, I want to have him do, you know, real superhero stuff and wear his real superhero regalia and do some of that stuff. And so that's kind of where, where that came about. It's interesting, too, to see some of your output. I mean, I'm looking at, for example, uh, uh, publication date for November 1999. And so you have you writing Aquaman, an issue of the Hulk, Nova, Savage Dragon, and Wolverine. And it's just a really interesting different tones, different types of stories all at once. How did you kind of keep it all straight? Um, you just do. It's not, it's <laughs> not that tough. I mean, guys write tons of books. Stan Lee was writing the whole Marvel line, or at least scripting it at one point. True. You just, it's it's not that difficult once you're, once you're going. And remember, this is all you do. It's not like, it's not like I'm sitting there with, with a full-time job doing something else. Comics can be written fairly quickly. That's the nice thing about the writing end of comics. Mm. <laughs> Now it's interesting too. So you got to uh, you got to put you actually wrote the story that had the adamantium put back into Wolverine. Yeah. Well, now what I mean, I can only imagine what that experience must have been like because I would imagine there would be a lot more editorial kind of uh, maybe not uh, messing around with, but at least a lot more editorial direction on something as big to the line and to the character as that. But I could be wrong. Uh, actually, I wanted it. I that was the, my first thing I asked. To do. <laughs> Can I get this animatium back in this story? It's like, no, we want to hold back and give that a big push. It's like, all right. <laughs> but um, yeah, when it came when it came about, it it was something of a something of an ordeal because Wolverine was didn't he? They were pretending he was a scroll or something at that point. It was yeah. Kind of, you know, it's kind of a mishmash of a thing that was mostly set up in another book so I kind of had to deal with that actually in the in the Hulk story that I had, had done you'll you'll note that there's a one page that featured that that random guy who was really Wolverine mm-hmm. just because there was like I was thinking once there's this big reveal Readers are going to feel ripped off that Wolverine wasn't even in this this big anniversary comic. So I, I had I, I at least snuck in the real Wolverine in, <laughs> in some random way. Uh, you did um, a, a cover for an issue of Wolverine. Uh, I think one of your last issues you wrote, um, which was kind of that the Ages of Apocalypse kind of fun little storyline that was going on through the books. What was it yeah, like? That was a weird cover because. I was talking with somebody on, on the phone with it about and, and saying, let's do like this alternate world where the, the new Fantastic Four uh, continued to exist. And I was saying, I, you know, except by that point, they'd all be wearing the, the, the FF uniform. We were, we were just talking on the phone and he was going, well, what, what the hell would that look like? And I sit there and I drew that cover while we were on the phone. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, hell, I might as well send this to Marvel. And so they were like, oh, can you send us that? It's like, all right. Well, that's funny. 
it's so it wasn't one of those things where it was assigned to me or or anything else. It's just me doodling on the telephone. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's funny. Um, what um, it's kind of interesting. What led you to actually write Aquaman? Because it does seem like a very different kind of character, and again, at a company that you didn't do as much work for. Um, that came about somehow. Chris Ciliopoulos, I think, found out that that book was open, and I think he knew the editor or something. That's, that was my recollection of it. So I think it was just, hey, would you, hey, what do you what do you think of this? You should totally do this. Mostly because Peter David had been on it and was like, I, I don't know why that that struck him that it would be hilarious if I was following Peter David on something, but. Uh, <laughs> It, it, whatever uh, you know, I, we the the thing is that me and, and uh, Chris started talking about it about you know Aquaman in general, and and the, the thought was, well, what we what what is cool about him, or what could be cool about him, and we had just pitched back and forth enough kind of ideas for it that it just became. Yeah, I guess I gotta pitch this book because <laughs> there's there's something here, you know. Um, uh, that's kind of how that came about. If you could go back, would you do anything differently with Nova? I mean, you got to do what seven issues with Joe Bennett. Would you would you do anything different, or besides making it a longer run? Um, I think honestly, the, it was probably probably should have shuffled. Uh, the artist on Wolverine and the artist on Nova with each other. I think Jeff Matsuda would have been a better fit on Nova, and and Bennett would have been a better fit on Wolverine. Hmm, that's interesting. Actually, I, I can see that. But, um, you know, those those were the the, the cards I was dealt, mm-hmm. um, and I just you know you you do what you can with it. I I liked my Wolverine or my uh, my Nova run. I, I had a good time doing the book, and I kind of went on it with the idea that I'm going to do everything I want to do right away. So that if this <laughs> book ends, I've got it all. I've got all my cool stuff in. I mean, I think we briefly t- touched on this last time, but what is it about Richard Ryder that really connects with you, or is it just because he was your Spider-Man who was launching when you were reading the books? really it it was one of the few characters i could get into on the ground level all the other marvel comics had been long running and uh and all the dc books had been long running and even longer so there was very few opportunities for for a guy to start on a book from the beginning i mean it was a real beginning too it wasn't like I mean, now everything starts with issue one, but they're still as convoluted and screwed up as anything else because they've been going on forever. Hmm. You're not getting a fresh start on Spider-Man. He's still got 150 guys who are pissed off at him from previous stories. (laughs) I mean, he's still, he's got all this backstory that, that comes along with any new first issue. What? So, 
but but no, but it was it was a first issue. It started something, and I was able to be in on it from the from the very beginning. So that was exciting for me. Mm-hmm. To go way back for a minute, uh, when you you know were first kind of breaking in uh, to the big two, and you're kind of taking disparate issues here and there. What, what was that kind of like uh, to kind of be this, you know, kind of work for hire, just doing random issues here and there, doing a, a Thor issue here, doing Adventures of Superman there, Teen Titans Spotlight? Like, was that exciting to kind of be able to do all these different types of things? Was it, um, you know, frustrating because you weren't able to kind of sink your teeth into a regular book right away? Or what was your impression when you were first coming through? Um, I, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. You know, honestly, at that point, I wasn't—I wasn't that good. <laughs> so um, I, I wouldn't have given me a regular assignment. Fair enough. Um, around the again in the early years, what did it mean for you personally when you started writing the stories that you were illustrating in Marvel Comics Presents? I'm sorry, I missed—I missed part of that. Um, what was it like for you when you started actually being able to write some of the stories that you were doing from Marvel Comics Presents? Um, it, it was it was fun. It was kind of a bad time at that point because uh, I again there was the um, there's there ends up being stuff that that people don't necessarily know about. Like I um, uh, was working on the Punisher, but I was pitching to do. Uh, I always wanted to do Nova, so I pitched no uh, writing and drawing uh, a Nova strip to for Marvel Comics Presents, and so that had been given an approval. So I was like, "All right, well, I'm going to go do this great Nova serial. It's going to run in there, and it's going to put him back on the map. God damn it!" <laughs> and and, uh, and and as soon as I had quit. Uh, the Punisher um, what had happened was they said oh yeah we're actually going to be doing Nova in uh, the New Warriors so you can't do that so at that point I didn't have a gig and uh, Terry Cavanaugh who's the editor on the book had me do an Excalibur serial instead with with somebody else writing it Um, but I, I, I wanted to. I was. I was ready to write right then and there. So um, when I was given the opportunity to to write some more some stuff, finally, um, I jumped on it. And yeah, I mean that's always it's always better to, to do it all yourself if you can. Mm-hmm. Just because you know, I I. I, I can play to my own strengths. I know what I, I do better than other things. So, mm-hmm. going back as well, uh, again in the Wayback Machine, uh, what was it like working on Doom Patrol as your first regular monthly title, and what kind of lessons did you learn in the uh, working on this book with Paul Kupperberg? Well, I'll tell you the big lesson is uh, if you're following another artist on a book and. Uh, seem to like their are the artists work you need to ease into your own stuff just a little bit because <laughs> I I had uh, followed Steve Lytle and Steve had done a, a, a good job on the book 
but his style and my style were not the same thing at all. And I kind of changed things really abruptly between one issue and the next. And uh, the fan reaction to that was, what the hell, man? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I and fans never understand how, how things work anyway. You know, they're, they're always, they always think like, well, he must have forced his way into the office and tossed the light out of an open window or something. <laughs> that's, that's how he got that assignment. Um, they they don't know, you know what what went on behind the scenes there, or that that you know he wasn't making his deadlines or whatever the situation was that that, that prompted them to put me to work on it. Uh, so I, I kind of took the lesson from that, uh, so that when I followed. Todd on Spider-Man, I made a, a real conscious effort to not have it be such an abrupt change from him to me. When you left Amazing, what was it like to kind of be able to, I guess your last regular story in Amazing uh, had, I think, the Black Fox and Doctor Doom. Um, what was it like kind of being able to do a nice big kind of Doctor Doom story before you left that book? Um, it's all right. I always thought that that, that Doctor Doom was an uh, an ill fit in in Spider Man. Uh, so it's I, although I kind of liked drawing the dude, uh, it it just it, that wasn't my my favorite story to be working on. I, I, I'd kind of mentally checked out, and and so it's it was a job. Hmm. <laughs> Um, this is a question from a listener, Faust33. Uh, he asks, uh, being an Image Comics founder and knowing what you know now, what's the one thing you would go back and change if you could? Uh, I would just make more of my deadlines early on. I think <laughs> hitting those marks would have been preferable. I mean, we, we, we all really wanted to to impress as best we could starting out of the gate. So a lot of us were doing stories that were longer than was required of us. My first couple issues of, of Savage Dragon were 27 pages long. My third was was 29 pages long. Those extra pages could have added up to an extra issue and I would have been that much farther along. I also kind of wish, I mean, I had started off with an, an initial Dragon miniseries. I regret to this day um, starting over with issue one when it became an ongoing book. I wish I would have just gone, done, had it been, been doing issue four and carry on from there. Hmm. Uh, this is another question from Faust33. If you had to pick someone else to draw Savage Dragon, who would it be? Can also say no one. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I wouldn't rather you know, the the guy, one guy who was happy to to see draw um, dragon was Joe Matarera. Did a really nice job when I did a crossover with Vanguard, and I could. I wouldn't mind seeing more dragon from him because I just think it looked good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, I don't. I don't want anybody else to be drawing the, the, the ongoing Savage Dragon book. 
Well, to go back to our, our, our hypothetical from before, what about this uh, this reanimated Jack Kirby that we brought back? <laughs> uh, I want Jack creating his own stuff. I don't want him doing my stuff. You wouldn't want to see his rendition of Savage Dragon? I would like to see, see a drawing or see a cover or, or a, or a pinup or a story or something, but I don't want to see him doing that book regularly. I want to see him coming up with, with brand new stuff. <laughs> you know? He's got he's got all sorts of stories to tell. He always comes up with something cool. Absolutely, and especially a reanimated version probably would have even more stories to tell. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure, you know, I mean, I, if, if I were a guy who's able to, to go from one dimension to another, I'd be like, I want to go to all other dimensions and pick up Jack Kirby comics from when he was given the, these other assignments. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll bet he did a cool run on Wonder Woman in some alternate Earth. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, now, now that's all I'm going to be able to think about. So, <laughs> so thanks for that. <laughs> um, we, we go back to Video Farmer. He wants to know what inspires you to keep drawing and writing Savage Dragon. Um, Besides, not wanting anyone else to draw it. <laughs> what I wanted to do it's it's that's the goal right to write and draw your own cool stuff and so I'm I'm doing it that's what I wanted to do <laughs> you know it's like what what inspires Charles Schultz to do the next Peanuts in, installation it's like because that's the gig man mm-hmm. well and kind of dovetailing from that what does Savage Dragon mean to you and what keep, and again, what keeps you going after 200 issues in over 20 years? What does it mean to me? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not a very good answer. <laughs> um, I, I don't have a good answer to that because it's it's just this this thing that's that's always been a part of my life ever since I was in. A, a little kid and it's something I've always wanted to do so that's a pretty good answer you know I mean it's it's kind of it's not even semi-autobiographical but there is there's a little bit every now and then where you go like oh that's kind of a something I'd say or something I'd do I'd be that stupid <laughs> uh, but it's been it's you know it's just been a, a, a fun time and I, and I like having there there be that kind of familiar characters that I, that I that grew up with me at this point mm-hmm. you know and I like doing kind of long form storytelling where you're setting things up and then a year later paying it off or two years or more in some cases well actually that, that dovetails into a listener question that was by the name of uh, Medave uh, asks uh, how far do you pl- plan your major storylines, and what's been the longest payoff story-wise of something that was planned and then revealed? Um, well, the longest was there was a flash forward in uh, issue twenty-nine that um, God, I'm trying to think when that when that I don't remember the issue number off the top of my head where that was. Where that was resolved, I'd have to look it up, which I can do because I, I, I have the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, uh, 
but yeah, I had, I had, uh, I had planned, I had planned this kind of, this, this sort of flash forward to something that was going to go on and, in, in, in Dragon and when he was, he was like a little kid. Uh, so it paid off in issue 168. That's pretty so far. That was, yeah, that's, you know, that's over, over a hundred issues. Um, I mean, and there's, there's farther still is when Vanguard first shows up on earth. Uh, there was, he was, there was some war that was taking place the other side of the universe that hadn't reached earth yet. And that didn't reach earth until, God, later than that, you know, 170 something. So yeah, 178 is when, when those aliens finally showed up on earth. So it's like, Oh, that's, that's, that's a pretty decent amount of issues before. Yeah, I would say so. (laughs) You know, but it, but it's all payoff in a way. And you've got, uh, people are having kids and then those kids are growing up and becoming something. And then you got all these various seeds of, of storylines that are, that are planted. Uh, question again, man, video farmer is just all over the place here. Um, question is, do you have an end planned or is there, is it just kind of open-ended and when do you think you'd ever end it? If you would. Um, I don't have an end planned for the book. I have ends planned for various characters. Hmm. Okay. Because, and because you never know when the book might end, because it could go. You know, if sales are awesome, it could go on for decades. If sales are terrible, it could be over with this year. So you know, at, at some point, you gotta decide whether you're gonna keep this baby going or or uh, pull the plug. So, um, and I imagine even if I ended it, that I'd probably be like, okay, well, I'm going to take a half a year off and then do something else and then come back and try it all over again. Well, uh, so you're saying that if it ended, you wouldn't be like Prince and just creating Savage Traffic Dragon comics just to keep it going in your own home and just keep it in for <laughs> yourself. And eventually when you pass away, they find this treasure trove of all these issues. <laughs> I might do that too. I wouldn't put it past. It'll just go back to doing doing what I did when I was, you know, in fourth grade, just making really tiny comics that are folded up. Uh, we have we have a, a question from listener uh, Fancy Fancy who asks: uh, Are there any plans for Image Comics to release Savage Dragon in oversized hardcover format, like with Invincible or Spawn, or if there is a chance for a Savage Dragon absolute size slipcase edition, like Image does with the Walking Dead Omnibus line? Um, the problem is that we don't have color files with a lot of the earlier issues. Oh, so. We would either have to scan in the comics, which looks terrible, or recolor it, which is really expensive. And given uh, the level that the sales are at on the book, uh, having it be terrible seems like uh, our our best and only option. (laughs) And that's uh, that's not a very appealing option for me. No, I would imagine not. Um, yeah, it's, it's like, 
Yeah, oversized and terrible. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that, that that should be the tagline on the book. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some that we have files for, but in their early days of Image, in the the early coloring that was going on there, files were huge, and saving files was expensive. And so people would put them on these these big discs, and the discs you could hold like two pages, and then people would just be sending them someplace, and they'd make film, and then they'd send film to France so they could do their versions of the comics, and then that, that film would get lost somewhere, and it was just a mess. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's not until far more recent that that files are just readily available for kind of everything um, so uh, would I like to do it yeah that would be cool um, but there's also a matter of you know are, are people going to sit down and buy that many books that it's actually worth doing I think we'd be surprised actually well there's a lot of comics true I've you know, um, if you pile a miniseries in there, we're, we're looking at 225 issues now. And if you're um, if you're putting those into volumes, I mean, how many books can you comfortably put into a into a book before it becomes so unwieldy that you're not going to want to read it? You know. True. So if you're if you're putting 12 in a book, which is still a lot, then you're, you're still looking at like 20 volumes or more than 20 volumes, which is a lot of, of books, you know? True. Um, that is a lot of books. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a ton of books to be, to be sitting there going, oh, okay, we're, we're going to be here and we're going to support you for 20 books, 20 big expensive books. Like, I don't know that, that you're you're gonna. I think maybe I could get two issues out or three issues out, and all those other those early issues are readily available in uh, various books anyway. So, yeah, is it is it something that's super worth doing? I don't know. It would be it would be cool if if there would be enough people who'd be like, you know what, put me down for all twenty. Let's go. Uh, but I, I don't know that that's gonna gonna happen. Hmm. What uh, what Savage Dragon crossover would you really like to see, or do? I guess. <laughs> I, I, I I am. I mean, Dragon and the Hulk would be cool. Uh, Dragon and Spider Man would be cool. Um, more Dragon and Superman because that's always awesome. Dragon and Wonder Woman, I, I, I like that. Um, any number of characters, the Fantastic Four would be would be neat. I like those guys. Hmm. It's just there's there's always cool characters, and you just make the best of whatever you're whatever you got. So you do cool stuff with that. You 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 mentioned uh, the crossover with Superman. Um, what was it like kind of being able to cross over those characters? And if you could change anything about that series, would you change anything? Uh, if I could, ch- yeah, I would have had the 
approval process be two years less so that I could start it while I still had a shred of enthusiasm. Oh. <laughs> that was the biggest problem is, is once you've worked through all the logistics of how to get it, uh, it's just, it's just terrible. <laughs> it's, it's really, and that's the problem with, with mainstream comics in general is that you, you put all this energy into doing pitches on books that either don't happen or happen way, way, way down the road, you know, long after the point that you're really excited about doing stuff and really you you want is is to to say look this is what i want to do and the people to go do it and you just go while you're still really excited about it and that's ultimately the 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 big benefit of doing your own shit Mm. is there's nobody to go no 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 why don't you wait seven months well, so that actually brings up a question uh, of all the work you've done in comics. Was there a project where you were like, I want to do this, and they're like, go, go, go? Um, this, the, the time I actually did get to do Nova was was kind of that. I was pretty close to pitching and then getting that pretty quick. Um, the only problem with that book really was that they also did a new Warriors reboot kind of thing that was kind of uh, oh it's what's kind of art directed to death where they were like oh we want to do a new Nova and we want to do a new this and that and give Nova a different costume I didn't like that costume it's like every part of the thing was just kind of a mess and to try and reconcile it with with the dragon book what or not the dragon but with uh, Nova book that it was just it, it, that didn't work that that Nova was in a new book by itself and was kind of doing okay and then suddenly there was a new warriors book I, I don't think having there be a new new warriors book at that time helped i think it probably hurt hmm. especially given that those characters were all kind of redesigned and monkeyed with yeah so oh well <laughs> <laughs> question so um dc's recently been um doing the uh the commandy challenge books um would, would you have loved to be involved in something like that to kind of do commandy in that kind of style where you're kind of picking up a baton at a, a crazy cliffhanger and then doing your own crazy cliffhanger? Um, no, 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 I, I would, I wouldn't have minded having done a run on commandy, but, um, most of the choices I've seen on that book have been terrible. <laughs> I don't want any part of it. <laughs> Fair enough. I've been part of terrible books before, and I don't like them. <laughs> um, what, uh, who's your, your favorite of dragons, villains to draw, and are there any dead ones you're sad you can't draw anymore because they're dead? Jeez. Uh, uh, probably Mr. Glum's the most fun to draw, just because he's so, so goddamn expressive. <laughs> and... Um, uh, 
Mako is it was a cool one that I killed off. Uh, that was kind of kind of real fun to draw and work with. Um, but largely, I find that once I've killed them off, I I let go. Hmm. And so, because um, there was a couple times where I were you know once I'd switched from one world to another, and and a character who was dead is now alive. Um, every time that that has happened, I've kind of felt like, yeah, I don't really have anything more to say with this character. <laughs> <laughs> what, was the, what was the point of that? I guess I'll kill him again. <laughs> uh, oh well. Um, a few final questions from uh, Dilo Tempio. Uh, he wants to know what qualities make a great publisher. as just a good eye and a good ear they, they recognize uh, a strong project when it's pitched to them and uh, they're able to see visually what people are doing and make suggestions that improve things uh, rather than, than, than distract from them I guess I mean an, ex- an example would be uh, when I was a publisher um, the the Luna Brothers had, had pitched a book called Heroin and um, I talked them out of using that name because I thought well there's a lot of people who might not know that heroin also means a fem- female hero which is what you meant it to mean but it's you know the spelling is not that different from the drug heroin and I don't, I don't know that you want there to be that confusion hmm. so ultimately they changed it to ultra and that was a that was a better title I thought interesting what uh, what do you do to stay fresh as an artist uh, keep your eyes open keep looking at other stuff take in uh, new inspiration and, and always be trying to learn and improve on what you're doing and have you incorporated uh, digital tools and techniques into your production process well it's all colored uh, digitally there's a few things I do because I'm scanning it all in myself a lot of the um, kind of zipatone effects that I'll use from time time to time is often uh, digital zipatone rather than cut and paste zipatone. There's a few other just little kind of effects here and there that that I've done. Uh, But most of the work, 99% of it is still done on on the actual paper. Okay. And you, you keep a very active uh, Facebook page. I mean, you're constantly putting up art and uh, having commentary. Uh, what's it like being able to, you know, in this day and age, connect with your fans like that as opposed to back in the day when that just wasn't as, wasn't as easy to do? Um, it's, it's pretty great. Uh, but there's the, the downside is that you can, it's much easier to piss people off <laughs> than, it, than it used to be. You know, it used to be you'd have to really go out of your way. Um, but now, you know, if you post something about, uh, 
kind of anything, somebody's there's always opportunity for somebody to take offense and just just run with it. Hmm. You know, I mean, it's just stupid stuff. Like, um, you know, you just make some dumb joke. I did did that before, where I just made a dumb joke, and then and then suddenly somebody's like, "Wait a minute, hey." <laughs> <laughs> It's like really, you've been you've been with me for twenty four years, but I, I made a dumb joke, and now you're now you're leaving. All right. Uh, your impression of uh, an internet commenter is going to go up there with some of my favorites I've heard on the show. Um, Scott Lobdell also had a great version of what the internet sounds like. So thank you for that. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, anything you can tease that's uh, coming up in Savage Dragon? Or anything you're really excited about that's no, coming you know, to I'm excited book. about everything. It's like these the, the thing about the books, it's because it's set in real time, characters just keep getting older and older and older, and you can just, you can do shit with them, you mm. know? It's like the Malcolm has kids, and those kids are going to be at that point where they're going to be really fun to have around and do things with shortly so I'm, I'm looking forward to that I'm looking forward to them being toddlers and, and being able to talk and being able to just wreck things on a, on a large scale <laughs> um, <laughs> you know it's like that that's exciting to me I'm looking forward to just the various changes that, that go on in the book um, I, I love all that stuff that's the the fun of long form storytelling and just being able to set things up and pay them off and set, set other things up and, and plant seeds and see what grows and make things of it is, is just really exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my closing question, which comes from a listener, Mr. Raffles, he asks, will we ever see the original dragon back in action? The original dragon? That's what he, his words. Um, yes. Okay. (laughs) I like the dramatic pause there, just in case there was more to come. I mean, we, we just did kind of, he was, he was running around doing stuff in issue 221. So is he going to, is he going to fall over dead in the, next issue no he's not so (laughs) the chances are he'll get up off the couch yet again (laughs) excellent Um, (laughs) well that's that's a good place to uh to end it well eric thank you so much for uh for taking over an hour of your time uh out of sorry an hour out of your day today to uh talk with us uh about your career savage dragon and and other stuff uh thank you so much you are quite welcome have a great day <laughs> Will do. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.